You're listening to Star Wars Action News, your source for Star Wars collecting news, reviews, and updates, helping Star Wars collectors collect better. Be sure to check out our website at SWActionNews.com, where you can see photos of the items discussed, chat with other Star Wars Action News listeners, and much more, including information on how you can be part of the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Star Wars Action News. I'm Marjorie. Happy Holidays! Now I can say that and not get punched because it's not too early. It's December. Yeah, I'm sorry I punched you all those times. Yes, it's getting crowded out there, folks. When you're going out on a weekday on a toy run at 10 o'clock in the morning and every aisle at Target is packed and people are backing out without looking behind them in the parking lot, I almost got in four accidents. I think I'm done shopping after this episode. I was a little frustrated today, even at the grocery store, I'll be honest. This is why online shopping is my friend. I have done almost all my Christmas shopping online. My Sithmas Secret Santa gift was bought online. So a lot of online shopping. Even the biggest Star Wars news from the past couple weeks came out online. That Force Awakens trailer. We talked about it briefly with the last show with our Black Friday sales show and our holiday gift guide. How it was... Only going to be in a few theaters across the country, and I was thinking I might drive for it. Then it came out online. I'm glad you didn't, like, make plans to drive four hours each way to see it also. Just want to say that. I timed about 33 seconds of scenes in the 88-second trailer. So to drive eight hours round trip for 33 seconds, those of you longtime listeners may know I have a tendency to go to extremes, but that's excessive even for me. Especially going to a big city on one of the biggest shopping weekends of the year. But the trailer did serve to get me pretty excited for December of next year. I'm starting to really think December 2015 could be pretty dang cool. We all gathered around at work and watched it on my phone because it was released and it was getting hammered. So a bunch of us at work watched it and we're like, oh, oh, look at that. Look at that. And then we're like, oh, okay. But they didn't show anybody old. We didn't see Han, we didn't see Leia, we didn't see... Well, we don't know if we saw Luke. Right, right. We don't know who it was in the cloak. There's a lot of analysis, a lot of over-analysis going on. People saying, oh, the person who had the tri-blade lightsaber has... No knuckles. Is that it? Well, they cut their knuckles off with the lightsaber. Oh, I see what you're saying. There's are saying that his right hand is different from his left. And so they're saying that's Luke because he has the robotic hand. I think some people maybe need to get out of the house a little bit more. I think they could be right. Hey, I did a frame-by-frame analysis of it. I was looking at it and listening to it and wrote an article up for the Venganza Media Gazette about the 10 things I thought was most interesting. But I've been on this show saying I'm cautiously optimistic when it comes to what it's going to do to my collecting. I'm just cautious. I mean, space is a premium already. And Disney is not going to hold back on this one. No, I am expecting... Something similar to episode one, but amplified. I was thinking about episode one recently and about how the promotion was so crazy and I used to have to drive an hour each way every week to get the KFC exclusive deal promo items, the cup toppers and the chicken bucket frisbees. But thank God we have eBay now for this kind of crap. But I was thinking about how those often didn't sell well enough. And some Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise places actually had to close down with warehouses full of Episode 1 merchandise, and this guy lost his business. And I wondered, would they go Phantom Menace on this one? Will they go Phantom Menace big with the merchandising? 
Part of me thinks those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. And part of me thinks that Star Wars is a license to print money and everybody's going to buy in. And they're right to do it. I wasn't sure. I mean, to me, and maybe it's because it's my adult life, it doesn't feel like it's been that long since Star Wars. We've had the Clone Wars cartoon since 2008, constantly airing. We've had Rebels. It's been 10 years between Star Wars films, between Episode 3 and Episode 7, but that's nowhere near the buildup of the 16 years from 1983 to 1999 in my mind. But man, that Force Awakens trailer's been viewed so many times now, far breaking the record of Age of Ultron and any other movie, that yeah, any doubt I had, wondering, were people still going to be interested? Absolutely. This is guaranteed to be a huge hit in the box office, in marketing, toys, t-shirts, cup toppers. We're going to see it all. I think a lot of it's morbid curiosity because there's someone new at the helm. And even people in my office who weren't interested really in Star Wars were kind of coming over and being like, oh, did you did you see it? What, what do you think? Do you, do you think it's going to be okay? So I think that it's drawing in a bunch of people because it's different. And for people our age and maybe a little bit younger than us and definitely older than us, Star Wars is such a part of culture that there is going to be that morbid curiosity coming in. And I think that was a lot of it. Although I'm sorry, but James Spader's No Strings on Me as Ult the Ultron song, that was so like spooky. Well, you're comparing an apple and an orange. Yes. Avengers gave us a real trailer. Yes. Star Wars gave us 33 seconds of random images that... I have no idea what it means. There's a soccer ball, there's something that looks like a popsicle, and a falcon, and maybe some X-Wings. So, there you go. Oh, and a lightsaber that looks very dangerous for the user. And I really was, there's a meme going around about how collectors saw it, but I really was looking at it like, okay, stormtroopers with a new helmet, they'll probably retool the body, reuse the basic bodies, get a new helmet, oh, removable helmet stormtrooper, oh... A speeder bike with a giant bulky, kind of looks like a droid transport ship front end. Okay, we'll probably be seeing that. It looked like a dream sickle. And Hasbro, great chance to re-release that BMF with just a redeco and a new sensor dish right on top, right? That was kind of the way I'm looking at it. And I think you have to look at, when you're talking about merchandise, what Disney does with their own stuff. I mean, you can buy everything from frozen chapstick to gogurt tubes, I think, and everything in between. Yeah, it's definitely, for me, going to be a very different collecting experience than Episode 3, where I was buying every box of cereal, every fruit roll-up container, every soda box that had Star Wars on it. I think I'm going to be a lot more selective, because with Episode 3, I wasn't buying Gentle Giant mini busts, Sideshow Premium Format figures, Hot Toys. I was an action figure-only collector even when Episode 3 started. It was Episode 3 where I'm like, oh... Maybe I'll try a mini bust. Oh, one premium format figure. It's expensive, but it'll look good. I remember when you bought your first Master Replicas prop replica, Django Fett's Blasters. No, my first was Luke's lightsaber. Oh, was it? Okay. Return of the Jedi. I bought that at Celebration 2. Unemployed splurge. But So I was doing the prop replicas, but I wasn't doing... A lot. Yeah. So now I think I'd rather have mini busts and statues and things like that instead of fruit roll-up boxes. I'm evolving my collecting in that way. But but someone that's worked with me for the last almost 10 years was pretty excited by the fact that there would be some food premiums that have to be eaten coming with a new Star Wars movie. Are there going to be fruit roll-ups? Are there going to be yogurts that we need to eat? Let's not forget, 
the empire of M&M's. Oh, I still can't eat M&M's. Oh my God, they still turn my stomach. I'm sorry, M&M's. I'm sure it's delicious, but I had so many of them. It was only dark chocolate. I know, but just the thought of them now, just, oh. I was taking gallons of them into work and putting them in my boss's office. And so everyone who came to see my boss would take a handful of M&M's. I mean, just pounds and pounds of M&M's. Everyone got a gallon-sized bag when they left our house. And of course... All the Burger King food we ate and bought for people behind us in lines. And then I told you the secret to that. eBay? Yes. I'm still going to get a lot of the toys. I'm just not going to buy the food. But your employees are going to have to be a little disappointed that we're not going to be sending them 20 pounds of M&Ms. That's okay, because I still can't look at Burger King burgers anymore. I can eat the chicken. I think, though, that it's time to bring back a long-lost collectible. Glasses. Nope. More recent than that. The soccer ball droid has convinced me Marbs can finally make their triumphant return. Oh, Arnie, I don't think that's going to happen. That ship has sailed a long time ago, <laughs> and there's a leak in the boat. <laughs> Marbs, that is the second worst collectible next to those customs, which they could also bring back now that I there's... I don't know, the Mighty Beans. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> choppers. That's what I was oh. meaning. The choppers were the customs. Okay. Choppers were gentle giants. Ah, uh big things and then the customs were the motorcycles that i bought for a dollar at walmart so we're gonna see it all again we're gonna see everything for every age range and start saving now are you gonna buy little boys underwear nope if you didn't get a chance also to see the snl star wars trailer it's worth going out there and taking a look at it it's pretty good nothing snl could do would make harrison ford look older than kingdom of the crystal skull did yeah <laughs> i mean that's the worst thing. You can pretend to have Han Solo ordering the early bird special, but Crystal Skull says all that needs to be said if you want to joke about Harrison Ford aged. But in J.J. we trust. He did okay with the first Star Trek and okay with the second Star Trek. Uh, not the second. No, that's a whole other discussion for another time in another podcast, but no. Welcome to the forums and our Facebook page and Twitter. Let us know what you thought of the trailer. I know so many of you have. We've had huge discussions about it. But if you haven't, love to hear even more as we get into the new year. I just can't wait for a real trailer. I will say, though, this teaser, it took my anticipation from a cautious, it seems so far away. Why the hell are they doing a 428-day counter every day on Twitter to, yeah, yeah, I really want to see that. I'm telling you, that day with all the Force Awakens toys is going to be quite different from now. Stores this year have been pretty empty. I'm happy to report that for the holidays, though, I'm actually going to stores and buying toys. I went to Target today and found new 6-inch figures. Now, I did order the cases from DorksideToys.com because I just wanted to be sure and be safe. I kind of held off, though. When Walgreens were getting the prototype Boba Fett 6-inch figures, I was thinking, Maybe I'll find the figures. I mean, everybody's going for the Boba Fett, but there were tons of reports coming in that the Darth Vader, the Chewbacca, were hitting the Walgreens first. After I didn't find them for a while, I went ahead and ordered them, but sure enough, at Target today, sitting right there on the shelf was a TIE Fighter pilot and Chewbacca 6-inch figure. I can't stand to go to the stores now, so I don't know how you did it. We'll do a full review of these figures on a future show, but just looking at them, I have... Seven new figures here from Dorkside Toys. I almost didn't order the first case because of that repack of the Obi-Wan figure. That Jedi Obi-Wan, which really wasn't one of my favorite figures from that wave. That he was a repack, a carry-forward figure. 
didn't necessarily want to order the whole case for it. But then you see the places selling the three new figures for 75 or the whole case for 80. It's like, all right, I'll pay $5 for an extra figure. But the seven new figures in the 2014 line with the new box, the taller box, which we'd reported on previously that removes the top bar so that we can handle taller figures. Very nice. I like that they still kept the medallion in the corner so you still have that art on the front. Even though it's very rudimentary and sometimes really hard to see when it gets detailed on the back, the, just the silver on black. But it's a nice thing to have it there on the front. Figure one is the sand trooper with the black pauldron. He's kind of clean. He's not too dirty. That's because he's maybe a commander. Figure two is Darth Vader. And his soft goods cloak, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. But weirdly, there's something about his face mask that looks a little too long. He kind of reminds me of the candy heads. He has an elongated, like, cheekbones and down. Mm-hmm. You see yeah. what I'm seeing then? I do. And it's almost like his face mask is too big for the helmet part. But they did a good job of making him beefy compared to the other ones. Figure three. Thank you, Hasbro. It looks like I'm going to be on the hunt for another one thanks to bad paint apps. Jedi Luke Skywalker, who has hair paint all down his cheek that makes him look like he's got freckles. Maybe he does have freckles. Maybe they're sunspots from Tatooine. Maybe it's melanoma and he needs to see a doctor. That's possible. What's with the face? He just looks so sad and forlorn, doesn't he? It's like his face is almost melting. To me, it looks like he's looking wistful. The pupils are kind of looking up. It's... But they gave him under-eye bags. <laughs> Figure four is my favorite of the bunch, and one of the reasons we have this new taller box, Chewbacca. The paint wash they gave him, the way they painted the fingers black, and just the ferocious mouth open pose. Of course, someday down the future, I'm sure we'll get mouth closed Chewy, but... He looks pretty good. Plastic can kind of be hit or miss with the way the hair layers, but they've added numerous layers in here that it might be one of the better Chewbacca figures we've ever had. Figure five is the aforementioned TIE Fighter pilot back in black. I like the silver paint they used, though. Really basic figure, but kind of nice. After some of the last ones, though, he looks really short. Well, are you talking about after Chewbacca? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He just looks very minuscule compared to Vader and Chewbacca. Well, if you want to talk minuscule, I've never seen such a sad sight as a two-scale Yoda in the new box that was made for huge figures. <laughs> it looks like someone stole the figure out of it and put something else in it. It's just kind of floating in yeah. a big empty bubble. <laughs> That's so sad, isn't it? I mean, you want him to scale, but I almost think you could have brought back the shorter box for this one. I mean, obviously, there's a cost to that. They just should have released Yoda last year is what it all comes down to. Or put some filler around it so it didn't look like he was just so homeless in there. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, they're trying to go for the unified line look, but this is where it fails them. Because of the shorter box, because of that black top, R2, and he had a ton of accessories, R2-D2 never felt just as lonely as Yoda does. No, no, he didn't. But he does come with some good accessories. You get the lightsaber and the cane and the snake and the neck flute. So it's the Yoda for all seasons. And the last new figure, the Clone Trooper Sergeant. A nice basic repaint of the Clone Trooper they released last year. We're doing the Attack of the Clones, Phase 1 clones, which I'm really happy about. I know they said very early when they announced the price point of these figures, oh, we're not going to do repaints. Well, sometimes you have to. I mean, that's all... A clone trooper sergeant was, was 
some stripes on some armor. Especially with the Skittles clones that we had for so long. Yeah, I hope they round it out and are able to get a couple more Attack of the Clones clones out, get me blue, red, and yellow before we start getting The Force Awakens and no room in the toy line for prequel toys. I have a feeling prequel toys will feel the squeeze the most. And in the three and three quarter inch line, I've had more trouble finding the last wave of 2014 than I have had the first wave of 2015. The Reese and the Skiff Guard, I eventually got some of those thanks to some friends and some Amazon orders. But the 2015 cards with the TIE Fighter pilot in the background, the place I have found to hit for these is Toys R Us, which has been doing a lot of buy one, get one half off sales anyway. I did get a case online, but I was able to get a couple of extras. I'm finding all six of the figures at Toys R Us, though not all at the same time. Hoth Luke and R5G19 seem to be the easiest ones to get. I was surprised about R5G19 because I thought being an R2 unit, he'd be more in demand. The Yoda's just sitting around. The repack of the Yoda that we just got not long ago that disappointed so many people. Vader's pretty common. The two hard ones to get are repacks from the Vintage Collection that were hard to get back then. Starkiller from the Force Unleashed and Darth Malgus from the Old Republic. But we can do detailed analysis. Hasbro's paint apps continue to be sloppy, so they're not as good as the previous releases. Carded is all I need for these, because for loose, I would much rather display the ones we got back in the Vintage Collection. But if you need these for customization purposes, if you need these because you never were able to get them before, hit Toys R Us. I've even found those at the buy one, get one half off sale. Speaking of Toys R Us, the holiday aisle, always worth hitting. I've been collecting the coffee mugs out of there every year. Kind of disappointed in this year's offerings. They did bring back last year's Han Solo Greedo mug two set and put it in the new orange Rebels type packaging. But the new set this year is a two mug set that has Vader and R2 on it made out of words. That's kind of nice. I don't know necessarily that I need those. You know, I'm a big coffee cup slut. I love coffee cups. I collect them. But I don't know. I think maybe it's because it's like the words are too big and it's too obvious. Yeah, it seems to me like they're kind of taking off from some art we found previously at Wizard World and C2E2 of an artist who did this out of a lot of smaller words. Here, I saw the Vader right away. It took me a second to realize what they were doing with the R2-D2. I just thought it was like a word scramble kind of thing. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of it. And I'll be honest, that cocoa is awful, too. Oh, yeah, you throw away the food. Because I've bought them for so many years in a row, always the Toys R Us, you know, you sometimes can find them at Kmart and things, but I bought these cups for so many years. I picked these up, but I think I much prefer the more artistic mugs they've done in the past. But definitely a lot of sales going on for Star Wars stuff and Legos. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are posting constantly any updates we get of sales in stores and online to those places and sign up for our new release newsletter for the latest updates of the items that come out that way. But one last piece in January, because this is going to be our last regular show for a while. We're going to go to our year in review shows and not really cover news, but kind of look back and look forward. But starting on January 1st, Lego stores will be giving away a free mini ATDP Lego with any Lego Star Wars purchase. And this is in stores and at shop.lego.com. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a few sets I've had my eye on. Legos are suddenly becoming hot again. Like, they go up and down, have you noticed? They're the number one toy now. They have surpassed Hasbro. So I don't think that 
you can get hotter than Lego right now. Between mm-hmm. the Lego movie and just the gangbusters they're doing. And I already called them the toy maker of the year because they're the only ones doing some expanded universe stuff, some video game stuff. Hasbro's kind of bringing forward a couple of characters, but it's Lego where we're getting the diversity of Star Wars toys right now. And they're more expensive. They don't have that kind of screen accurate look that I prefer, but man, there's a lot out there. But they're super cute. Yeah, yeah, I love the figures, but the vehicles, they just look more stylized. But I think as a kid, it's more fun because not only can you build what's on the package, you can build whatever the hell you want. Yeah. Speaking of online sales, I've taken my first step into a darker world. You know, when Sideshow came out with that 12-inch Luke Skywalker Bespin with the Hot Toys head sculpt and the giant weather vane, I looked at it and I went, that's a good bargain. That's a good head sculpt. Get two figures and a weather vane for $300. It's really nice. But I think I'm going to pass on that one. Then Hot Toys came out with Han and Chewbacca. I'm like, oh, yeah, those look good. Pretty good. But... I don't collect a lot of 12-inch figures. They didn't blow me away the way some of the face sculpts have. They were good. I think I'll pass. Then the Stormtroopers came out, and I'm like, oh, yeah, Stormtroopers. Nice, nice. Maybe, maybe I'll get it later. We'll wait for some in-hand reviews. And then they announced the exclusives. Hot Toys, for those who haven't followed them and collect them, they don't do the exclusives the way a lot of the American companies do with the San Diego Comic-Con. They don't exhibit at San Diego Comic-Con. Their American presence is through Sideshow Collectibles. Well, they are exhibiting at the Toy Soul Convention December 19th. In Korea. In Korea. And they're having some exclusive hot toys there. One of which is the Shadow Trooper. Now, yes, it's an obvious repaint of their Stormtrooper, but it's cool. It was enough to get you to pull the ripcord on that one, huh? There was two facts. First, the Shadow Trooper has long been part of my collecting focus because I spent a month trying to find a paint that I could apply smoothly to a Stormtrooper figure back before Hasbro ever really delved into the EU. And I thought the only way I'd get EU figures is if I customized them myself. And Marjorie, you have to remember 2001, 2002, our kitchen just cluttered with 18 types of paint to see which ones will adhere and look glossy and yet not maintain a tackiness. I do remember, and I got pretty good at using Bondo and sanding. Yeah, we tried all kinds of things to get black on the Stormtroopers. I just love that from the old Marvel comics before it was ever brought back and beaten into the ground by Hasbro shadowing everything. Once they realized, you mean we can just paint it black like the Rolling Stones? Then it kind of went away. But the exclusivity, for those who haven't followed Hot Toys, the exclusive Hot Toys are often the hardest to find and the most expensive on the secondary market. Their Midas Armor Iron Man regularly sold for six to $800 on eBay when it retailed for 250 So this was one that I didn't feel I could wait on. And at only $220, it's less than I'd expected as well for an exclusive Stormtrooper figure. So I jumped in. I have bought my first Hot Toys Star Wars figure, and I'm glad I did. In three hours, Sideshow had switched it over to the wait list. Really? Yeah. Wow. I'm glad I didn't even think about it overnight. I kind of went back and forth a little bit. But But you know better than to think about these things. Here's the thing. If it's an exclusive edition, buy. If you end up not wanting it, you can turn around and sell it to somebody at cost or whatever. It's better to act and then regret. Yeah. And because it is so cheap, there was no non-refundable deposit. So I ordered, 
you can always cancel later with the cheaper items at Sideshow. And so I'm got that coming and I am looking forward to doing a hands-on review. I'm looking forward to Andrew doing hands-on reviews of the other Hot Toys because he's all in on Star Wars Hot Toys. He's one of our video editors and I don't know if he'll stay all in. He's just getting the ones he likes and currently he likes them all. But yeah, I have gotten my first one and we'll see if that means I now need a white one to pose with him or not. I, I still have to figure out my display. I don't collect a lot of 12-inch figures, so can I just have a Shadow Stormtrooper? Maybe. Maybe. I almost placed another pre-order this week. Hot Wheels has announced a new line of what they're calling Elite die-cast vehicles. Now, these are 6-inch die-cast vehicles that they haven't released any pictures yet, but I believe they're going to be screen-accurate they have opening parts, attachable landing gear. Now, when Star Trek, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek came out, they did those die-cast ships, and they were about six inches long, and they had the old Enterprise from the TV show, and then the Enterprise from the early movies, and the Klingon Bird of Prey. And those were kind of fun, and they were you know, $10 or $12, and I'd put them on my desk at work just as a little tchotchke, not as a collection, just as a cool Starship Enterprise to have on my desk. And I was like... Oh, that's kind of cool that they're going to do that now here. I like die-cast vehicles. So I was thinking, yeah, maybe I'll order one of those. Then I saw the price. Now, I really need to see these to understand how they're worth $70 a ship. What? $70? I was expecting you to say, like, 40 Because the cars are, like, 5 Yeah. What the hell? I got to see these. They're elite. Maybe these are the most detailed Starship replicas I mean, maybe these have code three level detail in a six inch scale. Maybe these look like somebody took a shrink ray to the actual models. Maybe that Master Replica's Millennium Falcon has no more detail than they've put in this shrunken down six inch Falcon. Maybe. You really need to see these or buy it from someplace has a really good return policy. Yeah. So then I'm like, no, I'm not going to order them at $70 a ship. But then I saw coming in May... The Star Wars The Force Awakens diecast vehicle. And I'm like, oh, man. So the first Force Awakens toy, which I must own, whatever it is, the first out of the gate, the preview figure, whatever it is, I have to have it. And it's going to be a $70 Hot Wheels. All right. If that's what it must be, then that's what it must be. Maybe something else will beat it to the punch. Then I saw May 2016. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm like, wait. You're taking a pre-order how far ahead of time? It felt like there was an unspoken rule. You take a pre-order one year ahead of time, and then you miss your ship date by like six months. Or if you're play imaginative, by like 17 months and counting. But to see an order on Entertainment Earth that says coming in May 2016, why would I order that? Unless it was like a limited edition where they said limited to 500 pieces. And if you don't order 16 months ahead of time, you're not going to ever get it. There is no reason. No, this is them testing the market. They need to know how many on average are going to need to produce. Because I bet they have no clue. And they don't want to be sitting on them. This is very smart. Hot Wheels knows. They're like Lego. Hot Wheels knows its market. They know what they're doing. I think maybe they're like, the iron is hot. They are the first ones that I know of with Force Awakens product on pre-order. Now it's coming out six months after the movie. But it's the first pre-order out there. Fortunately, my rule does not say I have to have the first pre-order out there. Well, that's good. Now, speaking of things online, 
There's something that completely missed my radar. It flew completely under me. I had no idea. But the soundtrack for the TV series The Clone Wars has finally been released. It is not complete, but it is 28 tracks taken from all six seasons of The Clone Wars. And as a big Star Wars movie music collector, I bought the regular editions of the soundtracks, the extended editions of the soundtracks. John Williams conducts other orchestras doing new performances of it. There was some great music in the Clone Wars series, and I was really excited to get it. I was a little disappointed it does not appear to be coming in CD format. It is right now only a digital download through Amazon or through iTunes. And the way I actually found out about it, it's coming out on vinyl December 11th. Vinyl's big again. Strangely, the vinyl is listed just as Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 1 on Amazon versus the other one. But the cover art does say Seasons 1 through 6, so I just think it's a mislisting. But it is not available in a compact disc format. It's MP3 or vinyl. Or discs to dead. As I've gone back and collected all the old vinyls, I'm considering getting this. It's only $17 versus I've seen some vinyl in the $25 to $75 range with this mm -hmm. collector vinyl. But no matter what, I picked up the MP3 album for free from Amazon because I keep using that no rush shipping option on all my holiday orders. So I got $24 in store credit for digital downloads. Oh, wait, you can save money if you do that? Yeah, you get a dollar towards a digital purchase or rental. So if you're like me and really enjoy listening to the Star Wars music, I listen to it all the time at work. If I need to concentrate on something, just put on some headphones. I can't really do music with lyrics that well. It distracts me if I'm really focused. Orchestral scores, I go to Danny Elfman and John Williams all the time, and Kevin Kiner's Clone War stuff will be added to my rotation. I also picked up online, Think Geek's been having just a ton of sales. Well, they've been having a sale. It apparently ends at 11.59 and starts at 12.01. Yeah. You order in that one minute in between and there's not a sale. I bought quite a bit from Think Geek recently, all kinds of gifts for my employees at work, maybe something for my wife she'll find out in a few weeks. I hope we didn't buy each other the same stuff from Think Geek. But I did break down and finally buy the Think Geek exclusive plushies, the Rancor, the Wampa, the Tauntaun, and the Bantha. And we've reviewed some of the Disney Store ones that have come out recently. I think that the Tauntaun and the Bantha here are two of the cutest plushies ever released for Star Wars. I like the Tauntaun because he looks utterly shocked. He just has this look of what on his face. It is so great. No matter what you pose him in, he's just sitting there going, what? He's very cute and he's very soft. They're so soft and cuddly. These would be awesome for children, guys. They have such a lovely feel to them. Except for the Wampa, who is so stark white that any child will instantly gray him. That's true. We're adult. My favorite's probably the Bantha because he has this Muppet-like facial expression. Like, you know when Grover would get really perturbed, but yet was still smiling? Yeah. That's kind of, or like when Cookie Monster would kind of do that scrunched up face thing. That's kind of what I see this Bantha facial expression as. The Rancor, eh, I kind of like that he has this weird tongue. And his fingernails and toenails are kind of cool. He's very cute. He's not fuzzy. When he wasn't fuzzy in the movie, but he's the least adorable because he's not fuzzy. But he's still cute with that tongue hanging out. I wish the tongue, honestly, was flappy. If the tongue was flappy, it would be cuter. For some reason, his teeth are flappy. Maybe he has very soft teeth and he has to gum Luke Skywalker and that Gamorrean to death, but he seemed like he had pretty sharp teeth. He also has these little spines on his back. Yeah, that's kind of cute. 
The little tongue makes it. He's the least cute, and once I saw him in person, he was the one I could have skipped, whereas the others I like. The Wampa, man, his little anger expression. It's impotent anger. It looks kind of like a Dilbert thing. You know when Dilbert gets mad and gnashes his teeth in the Scott Adams cartoon? That is the facial expression of a mad Dilbert character. And he's kind of shaped like Dilbert. Shorter head, but yeah. yeah. And he actually has eyes, but if you put glasses on him, he could be a fuzzy Dilbert in a snowsuit. Angry Dilbert. Don't touch him a lot, Arnie. He's white. Yeah. He's got the fingernails. The only thing is he looks like Bumble from Rudolph in my Oh, mind. yeah, he kind of does. Especially with the big shiny nose. Yeah. If I saw him sitting out, I wouldn't know that was a Star Wars character. That's my thing, is it just looks like an abominable snowman. It does. If it had the removable arm, then I would know it was a Wampa. Now, while you're shopping at Think Geek, one thing I just placed an order for, I don't have in hand yet, they have Star Wars car coasters. And we ended up ordering these because of the sale. I didn't even see the Star Wars ones. We got a couple of the Marvel ones. And these things are so cool, I instantly went back to order the Star Wars ones for my theater because these things are adjustable any place you have a cup holder. So for your car, your theater, or maybe you have a, a lazy boy chair with like a cup holder and a sofa, they come a certain size, but you can also trim them down to a smaller size if you need to. They're very nice. They're good quality. They're nice and thick. I think these are awesome. They're nice designs that will protect your cup. This is kind of my thinking. You get two for $10 and Think Geek's having the 25% off sale almost all the time. And so if you get like a sticky soda or a caramel macchiato and it's dribbling down the side, normally it gets in your cup holder. You've got to go in. You got to wipe it all out. I've had cars where I've spilled soda in the cup holder before and then the change I always keep down there becomes this endless mess. Here, this is going to absorb a lot of that. It's actually useful. And the fact that it's trimmable for smaller cup holder sizes. Marjorie, we only got two for your car. We forgot your car has four cup holders. It does. And don't you have a couple more in the back or no? I do. So I'll need some more. Yeah, these are actually protective and that they're adjustable. My big fear is what if they don't fit? Well, if they're a little small, you might have an issue, but they've got really thin rubber on the back that you could just grab a pair of scissors or better, a razor, an X-Acto knife, a box cutter, and just cut along those rings and size it to whatever you want. They've got Vader, Boba Fett, and a Stormtrooper you just pick. It's two of the same ones, and again, $10 regular. I was really just impressed with the overall quality of these things. From our friends over at Momoko... I think the world has just gone away from thumb drives and they've been trying to find something else. Well, they finally got me. I also purchased a Momoko item. They are doing power tubes, which is their word for the USB chargers that can charge your phone or anything that charges on USB. And they're just a basic cylinder. We've seen these all the time at cons. Everybody needs more power. But Momoko finally made that cognitive leap to what they really need to be, a lightsaber. Yeah, this is pretty clever. I think this is quite on par with what FX Collectibles did with the Iron Man suitcase. And they hit this one right where it needs to go. The lightsaber is genius. Yeah, I really dislike, I actively dislike the Vader. And the Stormtrooper and 3PO, I could take or leave. But the lightsaber, they need to take this the next step and do multiple lightsabers. They've already called this, this is Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. You can get the Darth Vader lightsaber. You could do the Darth Sidious lightsaber. You probably couldn't curve the power thing and do a Dooku because this is basically a big battery. But imagine if they went bigger and this one has a 2600 milliamp capacity. Imagine a 5200 milliamp capacity that 
was the Darth Maul saber. This is one of those genius products, and they don't come around very often, but this is one of them. Yeah, it could be more. I mean, all they're doing is putting a skin on a tube. It's not shaped. It's not like the Master Replica's mini sabers of old, where it has ridges and really feels like a shape. This is what I think keeps it below the FX Collectibles quality. FX Collectibles would do that. They would make this a fully sculpted lightsaber prop replica that also has a USB port. Here, it's just a skin on a tube, but for $30, absolutely. I switched back to the iPhone world. I need all the juice I can get. <laughs> See you at the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's only a 5-volt output, so this is not enough to charge an iPad or anything like that, but it'll charge your phone, and it charges in about 3 to 4 hours. And finally, the last thing. And I've gone ahead and ordered it on eBay. Gotta love eBay for comic book variant covers. There is a previews exclusive variant. There are so many variants. I also want to hear from any listener who is taking it upon themselves to buy every copy of Star Wars Issue 1. There are so many variant covers for this. According to Nathan Butler in the Star Wars Timeline Gold, there are 67 variant covers announced so far and counting. And that's how they're going to sell over a million copies. They're shipping over a million copies is because there are that many variant covers. Oh my god. That's crazy. You're only collecting one, right? I might collect more than one, but less than 35. I mean... Let's, let's say maybe less than 10. Some of these are incredibly rare. The Joe Quesada sketch cover version is going to be one in 500. And it's not one in 500 like you're buying trading cards and they're blind boxed. It's shops have to order so many, and when they order X number, then they get one of the Joe Quesada ones. And I have seen some of these covers just for other Marvel comics that they do like this. Just the stores themselves, they have to charge a premium because they're buying comics they'll never sell. They're buying hundreds of copies they'll never sell, so they can get a couple of copies that they then sell for $100 or more. I mean, just for nothing different but a changed cover. And a lot of Marvel artists, I mean, this is Marvel getting in the game. Joe Quesada, you know, the chief creative officer of Marvel for so long. Sarah Pacelli, artist of Ultimate Spider-Man, she's getting one. Scotty Young, who does all the baby stuff. Oh, he does good stuff. I love his work. He's getting one. J. Scott Campbell, who I'm a big fan of. You can hear me review some of the statues based on his work over at Marvelicious Toys. He's getting one. There's a blank cover, which is really big news, I think, for Star Wars fans who want to do art. Because I went looking, Dark Horse never printed a blank sketch cover that you could take to Artist Alley and get your favorite character put on. Now, you do this with Marvel Comics. Yeah. And you have gotten some amazing art with this. Yeah. So now, of course, this won't be the only one. This will be the first one. So I wouldn't say stock up for an entire wall as they introduce new lines. And it doesn't even have to be an issue one. Any special issue, they may put a blank cover variant out on. But you're going to be able to do this. A great thing to take with you to Celebration next year to get one of the Celebration artists to do a custom sketch for you right there. But the two I must have. The first one is by John Tyler Christopher who has a Jackson version, the old rabbit character from the Marvel comics, and he's trying to push his way in a door, and all the real Star Wars characters are shutting it in his face. Nice. <laughs> that is available at Star Wars number one launch parties, and we may go down to Star Clipper in St. Louis, where they always have these launch parties, or 
eBay. I haven't decided on that one. But what I already decided, the previews exclusive cover in partnership with Hasbro took a huge number of Star Wars Black Series figures. Posed them. My understanding is they didn't just Photoshop copy them. They actually posed them. Of course, Photoshop is in every photo just for color correction and lighting and whatnot. But posed just a massive amount of Stormtroopers, Bounty Hunters, the Emperor Vader, and created an action figure variant cover that is just amazing. And they did this earlier this year for the Marvel ones. I think this is an amazing comic to frame and display with your figures. To just have their art of figures accentuating displays of figures. I think this one's going to be really hard to get. And it was $7 on eBay. $7? Yeah. I was expecting you to say 70 No, $7. That's why I bought early. Holy crap. I was really expecting you to say a lot more since building this up. Wow. Yeah, so guarantee yours. Find the comic dealers. Comic dealers always deal on eBay. And the price may go up. The price may not. I'm not sure how easy or hard the previews exclusive is going to be to get. But I knew I had to have that action figure cover. I'll get all the comics anyway. My comic guy pulls every Star Wars comic. He knows if it's a Star Wars to hold it for Arnie. But variant covers, I'm not a comic collector like that. I would never do that. When they did the Star Wars and had all those covers, didn't go there. But there's no way I will attempt to get some of these covers. I mean, I'd have to give up action figure collecting, as I was talking earlier. Instead of statues, I could get variant covers. And that's some people's bliss. That's not my bliss. No, it's a lot easier store, though. Yeah, kind of. I've seen people with houses and houses of long boxes. But there's not going to be that many variant covers for every single one. Oh. You just wait. Every single issue of Amazing Spider-Man has a few. All right. Perhaps I spoke too soon. Never doubt the marketing prowess of Disney and Marvel. Yeah. You just wait. They've put out this year Marvel through Disney Studios, Captain America, and Guardians of the Galaxy with five different slip cases each at Walmart and sold out of them. Now, how many characters are in The Force Awakens? A lot, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> at least five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten. Well, I am looking forward to seeing what Marvel does with Star Wars comics. I'm really excited about the new continuity. I still want to call it the EU, even though Lucasfilm doesn't want me to call it the EU, but the printed stories they're telling. Historical documents. Yeah, the historical records. And here with a review of the second novel in this new continuity, Tarkin by James Lucino, is Brock. This is Brock, Star Wars Action News Book Club Liaison, with a spoiler-free-as-possible review of Star Wars, Tarkin, by James Lucino. Review copy courtesy of Delray Books. The press materials for this latest Star Wars novel are stating that Tarkin is getting the Darth Plagueis treatment. I understand why they are promoting the Tarkin novel this way. The popularity of the Darth Plagueis book is strong, and James Lucino, the author of the Plagueis novel, is back as the author of Tarkin. Yet, that comment sets up an unfair expectation as to what is actually here. So while you will see Mr. Lucino once again did his homework to contribute another sturdy entry into the Star Wars EU, it simply isn't the same book. While there is a lot of ground covered in this book, the scope of Tarkin is smaller. Overall, the novel reads well. 
I love Lucino's control of language. His packed sentences are meticulously crafted. His use of those $10 words like ecumenopolis. Look it up. I had to. Always bring a smile to my face. The book is soundly written, no doubt. Now that being said, in the first part of the book, the first 100 pages or so, it's lacking something, that special something that inexplicably drives you to want to read more, that dares you to book the book down, that so many of James Lucino's Star Wars books in the past have had. In this first section, the antagonists and plot of the book are set up in pieces and parts because the events keep sending Tarkin into his head to reflect upon his past. These tangential lengthy flashbacks to his formative years on Iriadu show us how his planet, his upbringing, the family values, and the family coming-of-age traditions shaped him into the ruthless man we know. As these chapters move on, eventually the flashbacks progress to show him as a young governor and his first meetings with Senator Palpatine that shape his destiny. At times, these milestone scenes do play well, yet they felt more like a highlight reel than a definitive history of the character, and frankly, they are slow going there for a stretch. To the author's credit, as these flashback chapters wind down, he plants a seed for one last flashback that we know will tie into the climax of the novel. And of course, he doesn't disappoint. Given how Mr. Lucino structured the book, this last flashback technique pays off completely as he intended. Once the flashbacks ended, and we stayed with the, quote, modern time of the novel, the book is infused with more life. The second part of the book has the plot proper come into play as the Emperor pairs Governor Tarkin with Darth Vader on an investigative journey to find and stop a new terrorist band that has been using holonet transmissions to mislead Imperial officers, thus allowing them to make tactical strikes against the Empire. I don't want to give too much away about this insurgent group's mission, as this mystery really drives the second half of the book, but I can report that the author makes the strong choice to make their mission personal against Tarkin, as well as against the Empire as a whole. Beyond showing us Tarkin the brilliant tactician, the second part of this story seems to be all about establishing the relationship between Tarkin and Vader that we will see in A New Hope. As we all know, Tarkin is the only person besides Palpatine we see ever get away with talking back to Vader. This timeline connective tissue is completely appropriate as a subject matter for this novel. I especially enjoyed reading how Tarkin sees flaws in Vader that others just are plain too scared to see, and eventually how he is able to use and trust Vader's strong and weak qualities to their mutual advantage on their mission. The cat-and-mouse game between Tarkin and the rebellious dissidents gets better as the book goes on, one side outthinking the other, and Lucino gives us enough time with both sides to enjoy the conniving behavior. I like that the pre-rebellion cell that Tarkin and Vader square off against in this book are taking this fight to the Empire only five years into the Emperor's reign. They know the truth of the Empire before most people in the galaxy are actually aware, and they are trying to make an early difference. Their pirate propaganda broadcasts over the Imperial Holonet against the Empire are similar to what is seen in the Clone Wars, and actually what we've seen a little bit of in the new Rebels cartoon. The characters in this cell are not fleshed out all that much, nor do they have to be, but thankfully they are written to give Tarkin a challenge, instead of Tarkin always being so far ahead of his adversaries. Cohesively pulling together contrasting facets of a character is a skill Lucino has like no other. 
Governor Tarkin is painted here pretty much how you would expect him to be. Having Sherlock Holmes-type detection skills, paired with Mr. Spock-type proficiency, a sense of what he's doing is right, wrapped in a mannered and erudite fashion, and a ruthless, no-nonsense air about him. We are reminded he is willing to risk or sacrifice lives to get the results and his point across. And his philosophy we first hear in Star Wars A New Hope of how effective fear can be is on display. At times, I could hear Peter Cushing's voice in my head as I read dialogue. You can't ask for more than that. The clip speech and the cadence, it was nicely recreated by Mr. Lucino. On the same tack, there are times with Darth Vader that not only do I hear Vader's tones, but Anakin's, as he has only been Vader for about five years here. And with Lucino's familiarity with the Vader character, that has to be on purpose. We get passages of Tarkin contemplating Vader's real identity, of him questioning Count Dooku's motivations during the Clone Wars, his suspicions on why the Clone Wars occurred, and his suspicions that Palpatine's true intentions for the galaxy haven't yet been revealed. I like that in these passages, the author shows us Tarkin's process can take a while, and he never stops piecing together little things he gets along the way. It is also always fun when we the reader know more than the character does in the book. Further to that, as you would expect in a James Lucino Star Wars book, there are plenty of connections to previously established material, beyond those contemplations I just mentioned. Specifically speaking, I picked out some character names, planets, and in one part, quite obviously, a Clone Wars cartoon. In addition, Lucino does a good job linking the prequel's galactic consequences to this more original trilogy galaxy mindset. And I'm sure there are some connective links and name drops that I have missed, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that as this book went on, I couldn't shake what was not here, what was obviously absent. As the book takes place five years after Revenge of the Sith, we don't get to see Admiral Akbar or Admiral Dalla here. They just aren't part of Tarkin's story yet. And yes, those stories from the now Legends continuity may not be brought over into this new story canon. Okay, fine. But their absence drew attention to the fact that this book ends with so much more of the Tarkin story left to tell, that there are years left from where this book ends to the start of the Tarkin we meet in A New Hope. And I found that curious. And this being the second book in the new Star Wars canon, they clearly want to leave as many doors open as possible. While I personally didn't find all of Tarkin captivating, there's nothing fundamentally wrong with the book, absolutely not. I can see how some readers may like those opening chapters more than I did, and then it picks up about halfway through and powers on to the end. I actually got a characterization of Grand Moff Tarkin that I expected. Got some good Vader parts, some nice Emperor stuff, and that cat and mouse puzzle with the rebellious folks. There are plenty of elements to enjoy here, and if nothing else, the wonderful prose by author James Lucino. Star Wars Tarkin is an uneven but fine book, though I'm inclined to think it might be enjoyed more by those who are new to Star Wars EU, as opposed to those of us who are more seasoned in reading Star Wars books over the past 25 years. For Star Wars Action News and the Star Wars Action News Book Club, this is Brock. Now back to Arnie and Marjorie. Thank you, Brock. It's always good to hear from you. And the next up, we've got Jerry with a vintage viewpoint that kind of ties into what Brock talked about, vintage books. Hey everybody, Jerry here to bring you my latest vintage viewpoint. Now I'm going to go off the beaten path of Kenner toy reviews and venture towards a couple book releases from that era. 
I was recently at a comic book shop in Northern Kentucky where I came across two items that I didn't even actually know existed. The first of these two were the Star Wars question and answer book about space. Released in hardback in 1979 by Random House, the format of this book would remind you of the Star Wars storybooks that Random House published around the film releases. Like the storybooks, there was an accompanying paperback version by Scholastic Book. I'm sure most of you remember getting those order forms in school from Scholastic for all kinds of kid-oriented books, and for me, that is how I acquired most of my Star Wars reading in the 80s. Because of that school outlet, copies of these books would add a little verbiage of how this edition is published by Scholastic under arrangement with Random House. Now because of my personal history with these type of publications, I will out of habit refer to them as Scholastic Books, but know that I recognize that Random House is the true publisher. Now I'm not a book collector overall and really just have a handful of publications in my collection, but this was a book that I simply could not pass up. First, as I mentioned earlier, it's the same format as those storybooks, which I absolutely adore, so I knew they would fit well on my shelf next to them. But secondly, this book is just so awesomely terrible in terms of its content that you just have to own it. I felt like I had to buy it just so that I could prove that it existed and that the content was really real and something that I just didn't make up. Let me read to you the introduction. Star Wars introduces you to the fascinating worlds beyond Earth, beyond the moon, beyond the stars, deep into space. Is there life in outer space? What lies beyond our solar system? Are space creatures trying to contact us? Can humans look into a past time? The answers to these and many more questions about space are in this book. There are full-color photographs of galaxies, planets, stars, and robots. There's even information on how you can become a space explorer. This book comes off trying to be very textbook in terms of how it's presenting technical facts. Now, I'm not saying there are any factual errors, and it certainly does bring the information down to a kid's level. But this book is hilarious in how it addresses various topics to kids. Early on in the book, there's a section about how we're using radio signals and, and trying to make contact with other creatures to see if they even exist. It tells of a radio telescope completed in 1974 that sent a coded message into space that would reach its targets in allegedly 24,000 years. And then itself asked the question of why we don't send more messages out. Here's the answer. Some people fear that if we send out too many messages, we could be invaded by space creatures. Real Star Wars are very unlikely, but it's not entirely impossible for unfriendly space creatures to invade Earth. I only wish I could tell you that I made that up. I, I simply could not believe that something like that was written in a book in 1979 for children Star Wars fans. But hey, there you go kids, we might be invaded. Sleep on that four-year-old Jerry. So yeah, this 61-page book is filled with stuff like that. Now one other interesting item that I want to point out about this book actually relates to Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. In a section about space travel and galactic cruisers, we have a paragraph that reads, A future galactic cruiser might scoop up hydrogen gas from space as it traveled. The hydrogen gas can be used to create nuclear energy. This would allow the cruiser to reach the fastest possible speed. Or a galactic cruiser might have a gigantic solar sail, which would catch sunlight. The sunlight would provide energy to move the cruiser. There might be sources of power in space that no one has found. Humans have always dreamed of sailing out to the stars. Maybe in the 21st century they will. So yeah, if there's nothing else about this book that you really like or appreciate, know that it did directly influence George Lucas and how he created Count Dooku's solar sail in Episode 2. Now, regarding the actual Star Wars content of this book, 
The other thing that drew me to buying it is the unique artwork that it has. R2-D2 and C-3PO act as the tour guides throughout this book, interacting with satellites and black holes and planetary surfaces and whatnot. Many liberties, though, were taken with their poses and their aesthetics and perhaps provide inspiration for the faithful Wookiee animated short and the droids animated series. Turns out there was a second book like this made in 1983 called The Star Wars Question and Answer Book About Computers. And likewise, it features R2-D2 and C-3PO. So I will definitely pick that up to complete my duology here, and I'll provide a review of it at a later time. Now the second book I picked up at this comic book shop was another random house item related to the storybooks I mentioned earlier. Now again, I didn't realize this specific publication existed, but it was the Star Wars Movie Storybook Trilogy, a single volume collection of the three movie storybooks that came out with the releases of the films. This particular book was released in 1987 to commemorate the first 10 years, and the book cover even features that prominently as its main logo. Now, as I said, I really loved these storybooks as a kid. I never actually saw the movies in theaters as they were released. I saw Star Wars in the early 80s during one of the re-releases that they did between Empire and Jedi. But that was it. Now, how I actually knew about the story of Star Wars came through things like this. The storybooks, the radio dramas, the comics the read-along books with the audio cassettes. I mean, that's, that's how I knew what Star Wars was. So for me, this was a no-brainer to pick up and add to the collection alongside my original storybooks. Now, I don't know if there's a hardback version of this or not. The paperback version I have here is actually published under Random House, not Scholastic. Now, the content is identical to the original storybooks. There's nothing new in it that I can tell. The front cover choice, though, is fairly intriguing. It takes that silhouetted image of Darth Vader on Bespin when he says, the force is with you, young Skywalker, but you're not a Jedi yet, and it blows it up. Well, let's just say that that image doesn't blow up very well. For a nice front cover of a book, it's very blotchy and, quite frankly, just looks like someone printed it out on a home inkjet printer. Now, a nice thing about books like this is that they're very obtainable, not terribly expensive to get. I think I paid $5 each for these, and even the original storybooks and hardback don't go for much more than $10 or $15 a piece. Now, I bought a third book that day, actually, the Star Wars original movie script from the Movie Script Library. Now, I already had a few other published scripts in my collection, but this has really opened up a floodgate for me of exploring what else is out there and acquiring some new items for my collection. So I'm going to save that one for a different segment and take you through some of the other things I have in my collection, along with a few other things I hope to get in the next couple weeks. So till then, I'll hand you back to Arnie and Marjorie, and remember, we really do care. Thank you, Jerry. Being a computer guy, I do have that Star Wars computer book you referenced. I had to pick that up, but I don't have the one about space. And hey, I've seen Independence Day. I'm still not going to dispute what it said about the possibility of an invasion. Not impossible, but thanks. Really nice bits of history there. And that is our show for this week. Now, this is not our last show of the year. It is just our last regular show of the year. We will be back in two weeks with a whole mess of the Star Wars action news team to look at the year that was and the year that will be. Looking at Rebels figures, five points of articulation, six-inch figures, exclusives, and of course, a lot more talk about that Force Awakens trailer. And we will see you in two weeks. Pizza, help, help. I told me, don't be thinking. I don't know.
Thank you for listening to Star Wars Action News. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can be on the next episode of Star Wars Action News by calling our voicemail at 415-508-JEDI or sending an MP3 or iPhone voice memo to show at SWActionNews.com. All materials submitted are subject to use on our show. We want your feedback on Star Wars Action News. You can email us at show at SWActionNews.com or post your thoughts in the Star Wars Action News forums at SWActionNews.com, the most friendly forums on the web. You can also find Star Wars Action News on Facebook and Twitter. The links to our social media sites are at SWActionNews.com. If you enjoyed the show, please post about Star Wars Action News on Facebook, Twitter, or your social media network of choice, or just tell a friend about the show. We would also greatly appreciate a five-star written review on iTunes. A link to our iTunes feed is at SWActionNews.com. If you also enjoy Marvel Comics, you can hear Arnie and Marjorie talk about the toys and statues based on Marvel Comics characters on the Marvelicious Toys podcast at MarveliciousToys.com. Star Wars Action News is created, produced, edited, and hosted by Marjorie and Arnie. Star Wars Action News podcast video enhancement by Andrew, Daryl, Josh, and Barrett. Star Wars Action News website designed by Jason. Photo editing by Jay. Graphic design by Chris. Associate produced and announcements by Brock. Segments hosted by Jerry, Jonathan, Brock, Nathan, and Steve. For more Star Wars collecting, please check out GalacticHunter.com, JediDefender.com, JediTempleArchives.com, and YakFace.com. And we thank those sites for their support of Star Wars Action News. Star Wars Action News is not affiliated with Lucasfilm Limited. The show is created by Star Wars fans showing their love of Star Wars. Star Wars and all the Star Wars universe contains is trademark and copyright Lucasfilm Limited, a subsidiary of the Walt Disney Company, all rights reserved. Star Wars Action News is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. Until next time, may the pegs be stopped and the force be with you. Star Wars Action News. Now this is podcasting. Mm, mm, fire bad.